Welcome to the M-Files. You are listening to Valerie and Ella Mayers, Patty Woodfinkel, and John Woodward, mining the muse in the museum world. On this episode of the M-Files, we are speaking with Jonathan Nichols, the executive director of the Woodman Museum in Dover, New Hampshire. Welcome, Jonathan. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. My first question for you is the same question I ask all of our guests. It is, what is the strangest thing that has ever happened to you at a museum? This could be the museum you work at currently, a museum you are a visitor at, or any museum that you may have worked at in the past. Yeah, so um, trying to think. Um, actually, at this museum, uh, I know you told us earlier that you're interested in the ghost stories side of things. Um, have had something happen um, where we were working in our Civil War gallery up on the third floor of the Woodman House, and it was just myself and my coworker Mike, and we had been closed. It's we're closed for tours during the uh, the winter, and so I was on one side of the floor, he was on the other side, and clear as day, I heard like a twenty-something-year-old woman on our landing go "hello." To the point where I said, yeah, I'm right in here. And then nothing. So I walked out to the landing, walked over to the other gallery to go talk to Mike. And uh, yeah, didn't no one was there. We actually went room by room through the house and uh, no one was there. So could have been someone out on the street at the end of the day, but who knows. <laughs> but it was it sounded like they were right next to me. That's a great story. Are there any reports of you know, 20 something year old women that passed away at the house or well, um, might have had a met their end. I, I don't know about like any kind of hauntings or anything, but, uh, Annie Woodman, uh, who is the primary benefactor for the museum. Um, that was her house, uh, during her life. And, uh, she had several children, uh, and the oldest only made it to 23. So, so who knows? Well, there you go. Yeah. Who knows? That's a great story. Thank you for sharing. Well, Jonathan, you know, talk to us about your museum journey. Uh, You know, a little bit, you mentioned in the, uh, as we were getting started, that you had started out as a tour guide. So, you know, how did your, how did your journey progress to becoming the, you know, the executive director? Yeah. So um, actually, well before I even started uh, at the Woodman Museum, um, I attended it when I was in third grade. So I grew up here in Dover. Um, Part of the tradition every year is that the three local elementary schools, the third grades, um, go to the museum and either the public library or city hall on a tour of the town. And so I remember going there when I was, you know, however years old. And that was my first exposure to the museum. I grew up in Dover and then actually I moved away. Uh, for a couple of years while I was in the military, uh, got out, came back, and decided to go to UNH, University of New Hampshire, for a history degree. And so I was trying to figure out how to use that degree. Uh, I remember the Woodman from growing up, so I started volunteering there. And uh, that was fall of 2018, I want to say. And from there, I... Uh, Volunteered as a tour guide, doing general maintenance around the museum. Uh, they actually brought me on part-time. Unfortunately, COVID hit. And uh, 
as with uh, a lot of other museums, there was setbacks and you know layoffs. And actually, uh, I left the museum for about a year and a half uh, to go work over at the Children's Museum in New Hampshire, right across the street, as the museum experience manager. And so I was interacting with guests and leading uh, programs and things like that. And uh, But they asked if I would actually stay on the board of the Woodman to help out in some way. And I think it was like month four of my time actually being on the board that the former director moved on to a job in Boston and they asked if I would step in. So I've been here for about a year now. So roller coaster of of a way to get here, but certainly. This, the last few years, you know, within the museum world has just been that sort of ups and downs. Uh, You know, there's... It's been rare for any kind of institution to not have some sort of hiccup. But, you know, talk to us a little bit about the Woodman and, uh, you know, what your mission is and about the collections. You talked about your Mrs. Woodman, the benefactor, and how uh, a little bit. So, you know, let's delve into the, the, the Woodman and its mission. Yeah, sure. So our mission is uh, art, history, and science. Um, We were founded in 1916 after the death of Annie Woodman. She left in her will $100,000 of 1916's money to set up a museum that showcased art, history, and science. Um, Using that, it equates to just over about $2 million of today's money. They used half to go into the endowment. The other half went into purchasing her former home, as well as the Hale House that was owned by Senator John Parker Hale right next door. Um... And so we also got the Dam Garrison, uh, D-A-M-M, built in 1675, and that was given to us by Ellen Rounds uh, for the opening of the museum. And so that was the original campus, art, history, and science. We've been called probably the most eclectic museum in the area because that just covers about everything. So the Woodman House is primarily our natural history house. We have... Uh, Two floors of that, ranging from a 10-foot-tall Siberian polar bear um, to local moose, black bears. Um, There's extensive galleries of bugs and insects and birds, reptiles, amphibians. Up on the third floor of that house is military history, starting with the Civil War and then going through a timeline all the way up to about Vietnam era. Um, And then we also have a children's gallery and a... Yeah, so it's a children's school, boys and girls club gallery uh, on the second floor. Um, So that's primarily just the Woodman House. So as you can see, lots of things to see in that one. Uh, Then you start going on the guided tour that takes you over to the 1675 Garrison House, um, which has artifacts from that time period all the way up until the early 1900s because most of it is the collection of Ellen Rounds from the early 1900s. Uh, and then the Hale House, which was owned by Senator John Parker Hale of Dover. Uh, and there you have local Dover-specific artifacts and then antique and colonial furniture on the second floor. Um, moving away from that is some of the newer stuff that we have. Uh, we have two auxiliary uh, sheds outside, one of which houses a 1863 12-pound bronze Napoleon cannon from the Civil War. Uh, and the other one is a Victorian hearse shed. So it's a... Uh, wooden horse-drawn hearse from uh, 1890. You also have the uh, the carriage barn, which has some 
local uh, carriages in there, uh, general store setup, blacksmithing tools. Uh, there's an ice harvesting equipment thing. And then we also have uh, our rotating art gallery. So when I say it's kind of hard to <laughs> describe what the museum is in just one sentence, that's, that's kind of why. That's a really extensive <laughs> holding of, of property and artifacts, collections. Uh, what kind of, um, you must have a, a lot of volunteers and staff. Who all is part of your team that keeps everything going with, with well, so much to cover? Yeah. Well, we definitely have a lot of volunteers, not so much staff. Um, apart from myself, there is one other full-time uh, employee that is Mike, who I was telling you about. He's our director of operations. And then we have a uh, part-time office administrator. Um, after that, we have a very dedicated group of volunteers that is about over 20 people um, that do everything from general maintenance to lawn care to doing the tours and events. Are there any uh, students so, uh, from any students from you know um, the university or um, K through twelve high school students that also volunteer? Yeah, so we actually just started last week a uh, internship program with UNH. So we do have one uh, college intern from the uh, history department here uh, who will help out on the weekends. Nice. I see, or I saw when I was looking up the museum that you guys are fairly close to the, the coast yep. there. Um, so do you have any coastal objects? Um, uh, so we, or is it, is it the rare museum that's on the coast that doesn't deal with the coastal things? <laughs> so we, uh, we are in the seacoast area of New Hampshire. Um, I would say we're about 15 minutes or so um, from any major body of water. We do have the Kachiko River uh, okay. here. Um but right at the end of uh, Dover is Great Bay, and then that floods into um, Portsmouth and goes out into the ocean. Um, so we are seacoast, but we're not like right on the beach. Um, however, we do have um, a sailing exhibit in that carriage barn that I was telling you about that's on the second floor. Um, that's all about Ned McIntosh and McIntosh-style sailboats from the area. And then we also have a collection in the Hale House that is shipping related as well as artifacts from all over the world that various ship's captains from Dover went out and collected. I, I asked the question because our listeners can't see it, but you're in, I guess, your office mm -hmm. um, on the the call and there's a model ship in the background. Yep. Uh, made me start thinking. Yeah. So uh, actually I have a couple models in here. Uh, one of which is that's the USS constitution. And then you can't see it, but over there is uh, the USCGC Eagle, uh, the coast guards tall ship. And actually a ship that I sailed on for uh, several months while I was in the coast guard. So. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I, uh, the museum I work at is a, uh, a military and veterans related museum here in Wyoming. So I've, uh, we work with a lot of military collections, so it's in military history. It's kind of, kind of neat. And I've always wanted to go aboard. I've been, I haven't been aboard either of those vessels. I've I'd like to, at some point just for, just to see them. Yeah, no, they're, they're both amazing. Yeah. They're very cool, unique floating museums pretty much. Mm-hmm. 
So you talked about this, you know, your expansive campus. Um, I, I've had some experience with, uh, with small community museums like that. Uh, I had one that I could literally say had planes, trains, and automobiles in the collection. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've faced as the executive director, you know, maintaining, uh, you know, a, a fairly large and, you know, unique um, campus that not only involves, you know, vehicles, but also, you know, uh, buildings that predate the United States, or buildings that predate the United States. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're a small nonprofit museum. And so that comes with its own unique challenges of funding for the most part. So a lot of what we do is sponsor or donation driven or grant driven. Um, they're, they're all old houses. Even this office building here, uh, was built in the early 1800s. And so they all have wear and tear from over, over 200 years of usage. And so we're constantly, you know, having to do maintenance and trying to keep the houses together pretty much. Um, the garrison itself is like you said, predates the entire country. And so with that, we're trying to make sure that it stays intact. It's one of the uh, last few remaining garrisons in the country. Um, and with that, so there's just general deterioration of it as well as what am I trying to say? Like uh natural, I guess, uh, because there's things like bugs that try to get in there. Um, we just actually had a couple of years ago, uh, carpenter bees try to take up home in, in the timbers and we had to go and, you know, get them out of there. And so that's one of the unique challenges I would say. Now, uh, talking to some of my colleagues that work with historic homes, one of the problems that they have faced is finding professionals who are able to work in some of the historic buildings, either, you know, some of the styles and methods that were used to uh, build those homes are no longer used and trying to find people at plastering is one of the things that comes to mind. Have you had any problems finding uh, professionals that are willing to, or able to work with some of those historic properties? Yeah. I mean, I think anyone can have trouble finding that. Uh, we luck out here that any kind of the minor updates that we have to do, um, we kind of do in-house. So I'm definitely not the handyman. That would be our, our director of operations. He worked in construction for uh, several years before he actually started here at the museum. And so I'm more of the go fetch the tool kind of guy. Um, but no, he and we have a couple volunteers who are able to go through and at least maintain the house um, with minor updates. Uh, but anything significant, you know, that that does take some work. And so we'll have to approach that when we get there. Um, we do have some significant updates that are going to be coming up in the next couple of years just to maintain the chimneys and the roofs of the houses. Um, so, yeah. So we haven't quite run into the issues yet, but but they are looming on the horizon. So do you have any special events or fundraiser events coming up this year? Yeah. So actually, uh, this year is Dover. Uh, it's 400th anniversary. 
So Dover was settled in 1623 along with Portsmouth. And so we're both celebrating our 400th. And so we have events galore this year. Um, one of the big ones that we're doing coming right up is called Dover 400 Day at the Woodman. It's going to be a free community day uh, for anyone that is a resident of Dover. Um, but anyone's welcome. But, um, but there'll be a local community-driven organizations having tents. Uh, we're going to have food trucks and entertainment and things like that. Um, so that's at the end of April after we open back up for the season. Um, another big one that we do is every October we have Voices from the Cemetery. And so we, what we do there is uh, where we are is kind of strategic because the historic cemetery is only a block away from us. And uh, that Voices is a guided tour of that cemetery. You go to about 15 different graves where there's actors who portray the people that are buried there. And so you can meet some of the town notables like Henry Law, um, the uh, Annie Woodman and her husband are actually buried there. So you can go meet Annie. Uh, I actually was in it last year as Melville Smith, one of our first curators. And so uh, I brought some taxidermy out with me and you got to talk to, talk to Melville. And so that's one of our more popular events. But, uh, no, we have something coming up pretty much every single month all throughout the year. I could be here for the next half hour telling you about everything. That's fantastic, though. I, I, I'm i glad that the, the town is embracing the, the anniversary and that everybody's participating. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I've never lived in a 400-year-old town, um, but I think that would be a really interesting time to go and visit. Yeah, we're, we're certainly looking forward to it. Um, there's a bit of uh, competition between us and Portsmouth. Uh, who can throw the better one? Uh-huh. So so we'll see. Nice. So um, coming back around to your collections, I was just looking at your website again um, and thinking about all the things that you told us about that you guys have. How, how, well, not a how, but it's difficult dealing with all those different types of collections and dealing with, like John said, the historic house. I mean, you've got the collections inside. You probably have some collections pieces that are outside and then you've got the structures themselves. Um, So you guys must be busy all the time. I would love to hear more about the natural history collection though. I have a, a, an affinity for taxidermy. Oh yeah. yeah. I love it. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we're certainly busy. I saw online the polar bear and that's the only one that I saw online. Yep. That, that's kind of like our big, uh, our mascot is the, uh, the polar bear. That's, uh, it used to be where the front door of the, the museum was. We've now done it, moved uh, the front door to the side where the gift shop is. Um, but, Back in the day, you walked through the front door, and the first thing you saw was the polar bear that had the uh, main staircase wrap around it. And it's uh, standing on its hind legs, and it's over 10 feet tall. So it's it's huge. But, uh, yeah, so it the collections that we have, obviously, tons of things to handle. And so we rely heavily on those volunteers. Everyone brings something different to the table. Um uh, Mike and myself are constantly going through the galleries and updating things. Uh, we're just actually talking about uh, updates. Mike and one of our volunteers is going through and putting uh, sensors in all the, the light switches so that uh, 
they're motion activated rather than flip flip switched. Um, so that's one of our updates that we're doing actually today. So yeah, that's awesome. A lot of people don't realize how bad lighting can be for museum collections. So being able to have them come on and off automatically without someone having to be there and watching them is, is good for the, the collections pieces. But uh, natural history. Yep. So we have obviously the polar bear, but there's a whole collection of Alaskan animals uh, from a bull moose to caribou to elk. You have animals from all over the world, really. Uh, we have a manatee and a like 12 foot long alligator and uh I'm trying to think there's just so many things to see you also have uh, the marine gallery that has a lot of shells fish um we have a giant clam that we've kind of nicknamed the man-eating clam it's massive um and that's just the first floor then you go up to the second floor and it's birds and bugs and reptiles and amphibians from all throughout the the world and the country and uh history as well i think the oldest thing that we have in our collection natural history ooh. <laughs> i think the <laughs> oldest thing we no all good should i start now okay i'm awake now yeah <laughs> not that i was asleep before but holy crap john yeah um, I think the oldest thing that we have in our collection is from uh, 1853, and that is a mountain lion that was shot in Lee, New Hampshire, so only about 15 minutes down the road from us. So where did some of your natural history collections come from? I mean, you, did, you mentioned earlier about uh, you know captains from the area bringing things home, and I've, I've seen some other uh, New England uh, museums that ha that's how some of their collections got started. Is that where the natural history collections came from or was it from, you know, another source? So our natural history collections, as well as everything in the museum, all came through various donors. Um, being a over 100 year old museum, that means we get a lot of new things and we get something new every single day. Um, so the polar bear, as well as the Alaskan animals, all came from one gentleman, Richard Mathis, who was a hunter in the 60s. And uh, that polar bear was actually shot in 1969 in uh, Siberia and lived here in Dover. And eventually it just found its way over here. But we actually just got a, a tiger, uh, the head of a tiger. Um, I, I forget what year that it originated from. Uh, but we only got that, like, a, I would say a month ago. And, yeah, so we get something new every day. But donations, that's what we rely on. Um, and you get some truly unique things that come through the door. Uh, one of the coolest things that I think is uh, Abraham Lincoln's Last Saddle. We have that on display. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I see those faces of... Uh, so that is because our first head trustee was Colonel Daniel Hall, and he was Lincoln's aide-de-camp at the end of the Civil War. Um, and he was presented that saddle as a gift after the uh, Virginia Military Review in March of 1865, and then Lincoln is assassinated only a few weeks later in April. 
And so, yeah, we're very confident saying that's Lincoln's last saddle, uh, but that's on display. All right, so favorite piece in the collection. Yes, favorite piece. Um, so we have a music box. It's uh, It stands about, I want to say, three and a half feet tall. Uh, it's like its own little end table. Uh, it was built in Geneva, Switzerland in 1860. And it's one of the, it still has all four of its original brass inserts. And each insert had a couple different songs on it. So when I bring uh, kids through the Torah, I tell them it's like the iPod of the 1800s. Um, but it's still playable, which is why I love it so much. And so I, uh, I play it for our guests. Uh, I'll crank the, the arm and let them listen to it for the minute or so that I will play. And, uh, for me personally, I think that's just an interesting way to experience history is you're still hearing what someone else in the 1800s would have heard. And so you're hearing the exact same thing. That's really cool. Well, Jonathan, thank you, uh, very much for joining us today and talking about the Woodman Museum. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Well, and how can how can our listeners find the the Woodman online? Uh, you know, we what how can they connect with you? You know, through uh, online or through social media. Yeah, so uh, we have our webpage. It's woodmanmuseum.org. Um, and then we also have uh, social media. So you can look us up Woodman Museum on Facebook. Visit Woodman Museum on Instagram and even Woodman Museum on TikTok. All right. Well, uh, that's going to wrap up this edition of the M Files. Uh, just a reminder new episodes will be dropping every two weeks. These episodes, along with those from our previous seasons, are available on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All of our episodes are available on our website. When you have a chance, please take a minute to rate and review The M Files wherever you're listening to us. Your reviews help others find our show. In the weeks between episodes, join us on Facebook at The M Files Podcast as we keep the conversation going about the museum world. You can also email us directly at themfilespodcast at gmail.com. Check out the show notes for this and other episodes for links to our social media and website. So thanks again, and we'll see you again next time.